Well, 2020 has been a crazy year. That's the understatement. Yeah, I love those T-shirts that say 2020, yeah. and they've got the little uh, recommendations. I don't guess I've seen that one. one. star, it's, it's not been recommended. It's a crazy year. 2020 has been a crazy year, and as a result of that, we, we had a felt need to just talk for a, a series this month about emotional health and uh, mental health, because... 2020 has been pretty challenging in a lot of different ways. Now, what we've been talking through for the last four weeks and finishing up this morning is uh, something that we are learning from an individual named Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, and he has given us permission, we have permission, to present this to you guys and to present this to you guys online. And in week one, we talked about how Christ's body, the church, it's actually been set up and it was created to be able to heal itself. When all of the parts of the body are doing what God designed each of those parts to do, when all of the one another's, like the New Covenant talks about, when everything's working together as it should, the body, the church body, us as a part of the church body, have the ability to heal ourselves. But that only happens with what we talked about in week two, which was connection. We have to be connected to one another. We have to be engaged with one another, which has been very, very difficult over the course of the last, again, 10 or so months. So connection, being engaged, being bonded together, having those secure attachments, it is absolutely imperative for the body to be able to function the way the body was created to function. And then in week three, we took it a step further. And we said, now those connections also come with some self-control boundaries. Yes is a good word. No is a good word also. And having those Good, solid boundaries are imperative as a part of connection, as a part of being in the body of Christ. And then last week we talked about, you know what? We live in an imperfect world. We are surrounded daily by imperfect people. I am imperfect. And as a result of that, we're going to have to deal with some things. We're going to deal with some... That's what we talked about in week four. And this morning, we're going to kind of wrap it up by saying, okay, now... We're called to grow up. We're called to mature. Paul talked about that in one of his letters. We've gone to Paul so much, as is often the case, because he wrote so much of the New Covenant. But Paul wrote a letter to the Christ followers in the city of Corinth. And this is the way he kind of framed that statement of being called to grow up and called to mature as a follower of Jesus. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, when, Paul speaking, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I set aside childish things. Now, all of us, when we're born into this world, we're born itty bitty, right? We're, we're, we're small, we're, we're babies, we're born 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, tell me when I get there, 11, 12 pounds. How big were you? You look like you might have I been was, a big baby. I was a normal size baby, really? 7 pounds. What happened? Just kind of exploded mm -hmm. from there. Uh, but McDonald's wasn't around. <laughs> McDoubles. When I discovered McDoubles and cheeseburgers. So we're born small, we're born little people in a big person's world, right? Little people in a big person's world. And as a little person, as an infant, as a toddler, as a preschool age, as a school age, uh, we're under the guidance, we're under the management of older people. Some of that could, of course, be parents, mom, dad, grandparents, teachers, coaches, you go down the list. But we're all being guided and we're being taught by older people while we're little. They kind of help us not allow our lives to get out of control. 
right? That's, that's kind of how it goes. Paul even used this idea of growing up in a spiritual illustration in another letter that he wrote to the Christ followers in Galatia. Galatians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, when someone is a child, he says specifically, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So there's a point in our lives at the very beginning in those early years we're pretty much, we're being taught how to live. We're being taught how to respond. We're being taught how to act and how to react. And then there comes a point where, in Paul's illustration, where the father says, okay, you're good, you're ready. I've taught you everything I can teach you. You are prepared to be an adult. And he says, now you're one of us. Yeah, one of us now. So we are born under parental authority as God's designed. We are under parents. They are our guardians and not always is a parent as you said. Sometimes it's, it is someone else who is acting as a guardian, a manager of our lives. So what do guardians and managers do? Well, a guardian will guard you. The little person does not have enough life experience. I mean, an expert at living is what a guardian is. So they need that expertise. A little person does not have that expertise. So a little person might eat rat poison. And a guardian's not going to let that happen. They're going to guard that child from that danger. So uh, a manager, we need to, as children, we need a guardian to be guarded. We need a manager that will help us manage. So they manage for us this process that Cole was talking about, about moving from a little person to an adult. And they manage that process. So what does a manager do? They, in this case, manage resources okay so when things are going right when when the the little person is making good decisions re more resources are available to that little person but when things are not going right less resources are available we could call that a timeout perhaps <laughs> whatever it needs to be but more resources are available when things are going right less Resources are available when things are not going right. That is what a good manager does. Now, here's what happens, though. Gradually, the little person starts to get, um, they start to get a chance, an opportunity to try things on their own. Um, and by doing that, they gain some expertise, life experience. It's a process. One of the first ones that we learned growing up is, let's call it food. You know, we, <laughs> those, you know, you learn to get that food from your tray or from your little plate into your mouth. And you, as you begin to practice that and get that experience, you begin to get that expertise it's a process. And a good authority figure in your life 
They see that you are gaining that expertise, you are gaining that experience, you are becoming an expert at getting food from here to in here, and you're not throwing it on someone else, and you're not dumping it onto the floor. As you, as you begin to become an expert at that, they delegate that authority to you as a child. And so now, you are an authority over that area of your life, you are allowed at that point to feed yourself. It's a good thing. That's how it should work. So when that happens, for me, I had grown a little bit. It was a good thing. Now next, here's another thing. So there are more, many, many, many of these things. Here's another one. You have to learn to go to the restroom in the right place. And so your parent or your guardian or your manager, they teach <laughs> your office coworkers, whoever it is, they teach you where is the right place. They train you, they teach you, they work with you, and suddenly, guess what happens? We gain some experience in that. And mom and dad are they're high-fiving each other. They're like, yes, mark this one off the list. We got it. I am so glad to transfer this authority over to you. You have gained an experience, through experience, and expertise, and you are now an authority over that area of your life. We are glad to give that to you. It is natural. This is how it should be. And they delegate that to you. And guess what? They hold you accountable to continue to exercise proper authority over your life in that element, in that way. So next, maybe let's say little Johnny, he's out playing with friends outside, and he comes in and he says, hey, guardian, manager of my life, I, I don't want to play with that little boy anymore. He pushes me down and, and throws dirt in my face. But I, I, I do want to play with this friend over here because this friend is nice to me. And suddenly the, the guardian, the parents, the managers, they say, hey, little Johnny has gained some experience and now some expertise and realizes that there are some people we should avoid as friends and there are some people that we should gravitate toward and they're saying okay you're gaining some expertise here little Johnny and choosing proper friends good so here's some more authority for you you get to now be in charge of that you're you're going to find friends good friends it happens all the way through school. So the child has schoolwork, homework, and in the beginning, the parents have to work with them. How much schoolwork do you have? How much homework? Are you getting it done? Are you doing it? How do I need to help you? What do we need to work on? But then as soon as that child begins to show some, some maturity and they begin to work on that homework when they get home from school and they get it done and they're meeting deadlines and actually turning in homework assignments. They're not leaving it at home. They're not leaving it ripped up in the backpack. The dog didn't eat it. It makes it to school. Then you realize, okay, we can give that authority over to that child and they are now an authority because of the experience they've had and the expertise they've gained they can get their homework turned in and they can manage their homework. So you give them that authority. 
you delegate that to them. The child learns that in the beginning you have to go wake them up, make sure they're out of bed, make sure they're up, make sure they're getting dressed and ready for school or ready to go to church or ready to get ready for whatever it might be. But then they learn through experience how to turn, how to set an alarm clock, how to wake up, how to hear it, how to not ignore it, how to not hit snooze 3,000 times, how to actually get up and get themselves ready. And then you delegate that authority to them and you say, you have made it. I'm going to give you that authority. You are now responsible. With the authority of self comes responsibility. You are now responsible to get up and be downstairs to be ready for school, to be ready for whenever we're ready to leave. We don't have to wait on you. You are responsible. You have that authority. You delegate it to them. In class, a child discovers that there's a mean student sitting next to them, and guess what happens? They don't run away. They don't go and ask their parents to call the school when they're in high school and they're sitting next to, to, to someone who's rude or crude. No, they are going to learn how to, to adjust and make it and react and have boundaries and all of these things we've talked about so that they can survive in a classroom with a student who's kind of rude to them. Because guess what? When they go to work, there's going to be someone at work that's rude to them. And if they don't learn how to do that in junior high and high school, they certainly won't know how to do it when they're, when they're at a job and they're just going to end up quitting and going somewhere. So we learn how to do it and they get that authority. A child is in a classroom where maybe they have a teacher that is unfair. doesn't happen often, I bet. But it could happen. They have a teacher that maybe is unfair, for some reason might be overly critical of that student. And we have to teach that student and give them the authority over their lives because we can't, as parents, run up and correct that for them and confront the teacher why we have to teach the student how to do that so they can have authority over their lives because they are eventually going to have a boss somewhere on some day that is unfair to them and that is overly critical to them and they have to know how to handle it. And if they've never handled that in their life, they don't have the expertise and experience they need. So we allow them to have that when they are in junior high and high school so they can handle that when they're in their career. Career. And on and on and on it goes, experience after experience, as they have shown expertise in different areas of life, we have handed over to that little person, we've handed over to them the authority of their life. We give it right. to them. So all of that kind of to set the table for this idea, what is that healthy growth and maturation process that hopefully everybody has gone through. But, now, <laughs> there are many people, and, and you guys, when I say this, you're going to sit there and immediately it's going to make ding! Got it! I know that person. There are many people who are still children in adult bodies. And, and again, right now, you're thinking of that face just popped in your mind. Maybe it's mine. I, I don't know. Maybe you're thinking, oh, that's, that's you. There are many people who are children in adult bodies. They want this authority and this control that Harley just talked about, 
They want that authority and control of their, over their own lives, but they really do not want the responsibility that goes along with it. So, um, man, I want to have the ability to make my own decisions about my own life, but I'm not going to meet deadlines at school, or I'm not going to meet deadlines at work, or, you know, I, I just don't feel like working hard today, so I'm just not going to do it. I don't feel like working hard, or, you know, fun's going to come first, and as a result, maybe I'm going to come a little bit short when it comes time to pay bills. I, I'm just not going to worry myself with that too much. Uh, a person like this may want everything that they see on the Internet or everything that the Internet can provide. I mean, look, I'm talking about us Amazon people, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the buy it now people. Y'all know. Buy it now. Everything's already entered in there. It's credit card number, billing address, shipping address. It's all there. Buy it now. Got it. Some people want everything that they see on the Internet, everything that is accessible online, but the responsibility to use those tools, eh, not so much. Not so much. They want to drive a car. They want to own a home. But they don't want to be bothered with the responsibility of having to maintain those things. Uh, they really don't want to have to pay their bills on time because, again, they want to pay for the fun stuff on time, not the bills on time. And when they don't, when that doesn't happen, when that adult or child in an adult's body doesn't quite check the boxes that need to be checked, what happens? Someone has to step into the life and someone has to be the adult for that person to get those things done. We talked about, I think, that in week three. Somebody is going to enable that, uh, enable those decisions. Someone's going to keep the light bill on in most cases. So, yes, that means that we can be a child in an adult body if we've never really grown up. It's possible. It's possible. We probably interact with individuals like that every single day. But let's say for just a second. Let's say for just a second that we have grown up. We have gone through those rites of passage. We have checked those boxes through our developmental years, through our formative years, and we have developed some expertise over the things that we need to. And we're not just talking about getting the food from the plate to our mouth or, you know, knowing where to go to the bathroom. We're talking about kind of some of the higher level development that happens in those adolescent years. We have done that. We have developed that. We have become a real adult in an adult body. Now, this is huge. This is big. This is kind of a launching point for the next few minutes. Because when someone gets to that point, that person now has authority over themselves. They now have the ability to have authority over themselves. We talked, I think, in week one about self-control. The ability to control their own life. They've earned and they have something given that ability. But Dr. Cloud notes something in, in, in his books. He notes something. He says that one of the most destructive dynamics in our human experience, one of the most destructive dynamics in our human experience is a human, a person that is giving their authority of their own life, giving it back to someone else. That's kind of our jumping off point for this morning. Someone that has reached that point of maturity, but they're choosing to give that authority back over to someone else. Or someone that is getting stuck in the child role 
as a grown person. Now, if we get stuck, that kept, I may be in an adult's body, but if I had authority figures that kept me down or put me down or controlled me or didn't give me space, then I can find myself an adult in a child's body. It, it can happen. I can find myself in that situation. I may be 30 years older, in my case, a little older. Those of you that laughed are older than me, probably. <laughs> but I can, I can be, I'll use my age, 37. Yeah. I can be 37 years old. And I can have a supervisor at work. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm developed, I'm grown, I've matured, I've gone through this, these stages in life, these rites of passage. I'm an adult in an adult body. But that person over there that I work with, or that is my supervisor, or whatever the case may be, I may look at them and say, yeah, that person's a little bit better than me. They're a little more successful than me. They're a little bit, um, and they've kind of got it together a little bit more than what I have it together. And then all of a sudden, around that person, I become like a little boy. My self-confidence is gone. My self-worth is gone. My ability to be comfortable in my own skin is gone. I'm now seeking their approval, like they're my guardian again. Like I'm back in that stage of adolescence. I'm trying to make um, them like me. Or, this is the other possibility. If I get stuck as a child in an adult's body, when my boss gives me a critique, when my supervisor gives me a critique on how I perform and how to do it more efficiently, I take it personal. I don't see that feedback as helpful at all. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't care what you have to say. I've got this. I've got this under control. Your opinion means nothing to me. I hear your critique really more as a put down. Harley and I, we have a staff meeting every Monday. And when, if, if he says to me, you know what? You probably could have said that better. You probably could have done a better job of communicating that thought or, you know, Fill in the blank. I can take that one of two ways. I can take that as constructive and something that I can build on and I can grow from, or I can make him, it can make me mad. Like, what do you mean? What do you have to Why do you have the ability to tell me where I need to improve? Or maybe I have a boss, but I turned that supervisor into a parent figure because, again, I'm trying to make them just like me. And when we fall into that, it, we are not living as adults. Um, and, and we could say that's not wise living. An ancient Hebrew uh, bit of wisdom, we find it in Proverbs 29:25. It says this: "Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord." is kept safe, is what the wisdom writer says. And he calls it a snare. Perhaps it's because we get trapped into that child view when we fear that other adult. If we're an adult and they're an adult and we fear their response, we fear that they don't like us, that they don't think highly of us, it is a trap. Because it keeps us trapped in that child state. Because we keep putting someone else above us. We elevate them. 
They're up here. They're more important. They're better. And I'm down here. I'm a child. And we put them in that role. But when we get this right, we are an authority over our own lives when we get it right. And the, and, and, and the only person above us is the person of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have authorities. That's not what we're saying. It means that as adults, we are equal. As adults, we are equal as an adult with our authorities. Well, really, because if I think that I'm an equal human being to my supervisor or to my boss, if I think, you know what, we're equal as people, we're equal. And I made an adult decision to choose to work there and to choose for that person to be my supervisor. Then when that authority tells me to do something and I submit to that authority figure, I'm really agreeing with myself because we're equal. And I've chosen for that person to be in a supervisory role over me. That word role is very important. Uh -huh. The difference in people and the role of that supervisor. I made an adult decision to be in that position. They're not a better person than me. They may be smarter than me. They may not be smarter than me. But they are in a role to be my supervisor. They have a different role than what I do. And I've made a decision to submit to that role, to that position. And as an equal adult, I can disagree as long as I understand that role. I can disagree with that person. As an equal adult, I don't have to fight when Harley makes a suggestion to me and says, hey, that probably could have been handled better. I don't, we don't have to argue about it. We don't have to argue in maybe a passive-aggressive way because I have chosen to submit to that role. But we're still equal. We're still equal as adults. I don't have to compete with my peers for position or favor. Even though... I probably do sometimes. I don't have to because I've grown from a child to an adult. I've checked those boxes. I've went through those rites of passages. I've developed as a person. I've grown from a child to an adult with authority over my own life. I'm in equal standing with every other person around me. The only thing that separates me from you is maybe the role that you have or the role that I have. Because only God is rightly above us. We're all equal in the sight of God. God's at the top, then we're all on the same plane. It's just the roles that we have been assigned that defines that authority. Jesus put it like this. This is um, the words of Jesus. It was recorded by Matthew. So in Matthew chapter 23, verse 8, he tells us what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't let anyone call you rabbi. For you have only one teacher, and all of you are, there's that word, equal as brothers and sisters. Don't call anyone your leader, your teacher, your rabbi, your father. You know, that's basically what Jesus is saying, for you're all brothers. You're all equal. You're all on the same playing field. God's the only one above you. Once we get that right, and that is not easy to get right. I do not get that right. 
I have, I have experienced many times, last year specifically, there was some, it's, it's some experiences where I didn't get that right. But once we get that right, we'll recognize that the leader, the teacher, the rabbi, that person is an expert in a role under God. And when we submit to them, we're actually not submitting to Bob. We're submitting. I don't yeah. know why we use, I use the word Bob. I don't know. <laughs> but we're not submitting to Bob or Harley in my case. We're actually submitting to God. Think about this. If we always feel one down from another person or one down by any person in our life, by definition, those people, every one of those people that we feel one down to, they become an object of approval for us. In other words, we begin to seek their approval of us. Uh, we begin to constantly look at our boss or our supervisor or our coworker or our peer or our neighbor or even someone in our church. We begin looking at them and thinking, oh, I hope they like me or I hope they approve of what I'm doing. I hope they approve of me. I, I, I hope that that they think I'm okay. I hope that they think I'm cool, that I can hang. I, I hope all of the... And that becomes a snare for us. And so, in some cases, anxiety disorder, panic disorders, possibly for some, uh, inferiority complexes. Um, I'm labeling some of these things, and some of us in our hearts are saying, yeah, yeah, I've been there, I've been there. Inferiority, inability to make a decision without their approval of, or without them saying, uh, you know, okay, even on personal matters. Um, inability to make mistakes, because if we make mistakes, we feel even worse. The ability to just live and survive and work at home, at school, all of that, it goes right out the window. Unless we get to the point where we are equals and we feel that and we know that. So Jesus says, you know what? You are. You're siblings. It's not a boss and you're down here. We're siblings. God, God has no grandchildren. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are on the same tier. We're equals. If we have submitted our lives to Jesus and we are following him, we are brothers and sisters with equal standing. But to do this, and this is tough, to do this we have to recognize, you know what, we may be equal, but sometimes, you know what, sometimes I feel inferior. Sometimes Harley feels not good enough, not smart enough. And so if we're equals, then I'm able to come to you with vulnerability and I'm able to say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling. I feel like I need to get better here. And then you're able to say to me, Okay, yeah, man, thanks for sharing that with me, Harley. Okay, well, well, let's look at it together. 
what might you try to do, Harley? Let's see if we can solve this. And now we have moved, and this is a big, this is easy to say, hard to do. Now we have moved from Harley being under judgment because I feel inferior to we're equals and you're helping me work through this because I was honest enough to share it with you. We've moved into an, ad, an ad, adult, it was hard for me to say, to an adult relationship. And instead of judgment, it's now curiosity and we're saying, hey, let's sort this out together. So hopefully you're kind of seeing where we're going. You know, we kind of laid the foundation and now you're hopefully kind of seeing the direction we're moving. If this becomes a life habit, looking at people as equals, just in different roles, with different responsibilities, if we see one another as equals, if this becomes a life habit, hey, even if you are the world expert in something, and I have no idea, we may have the world expert in fill in the blank sitting in this room or watching us right now. We have no idea. I know I'm not the world expert in anything, not even close. You think you eating might? cheeseburgers? Well, McDonald's cheeseburgers specifically. Uh, but even if we are the world expert in some type of a topic, and we can recognize that we need still to improve on something, and we can choose to submit to a coach in that aspect or a teacher in that area, if in our psychology we have the ability to always be, uh, or excuse me, if in our psychology we have the ability to um, always be trying to prove ourselves as opposed to improve ourselves and we can't submit to a teacher? That's tough. We can't get better. We can't improve. We can't talk about our mistakes. We'll never really become the true expert in the area that we want to be. I, I don't even know what area I would like to be the expert in. But I'm just going to pick one for this illustration. I would like to be the expert in Arkansas Razorback athletics. Oh, man. That's I, me. I would, I would like to be the expert in that. I don't might, know how I could make that into a lucrative life. I don't know. You but might be. be. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but if I thought I was, I never would be. <laughs> That's true. Because we're constantly improving. Now, if that's us, if that's you, if that's me, um, we're going to have some symptoms. We're going to have some symptoms if we're never able to accept a teacher, a coach, an area where we can improve and we can grow and we can get better. If we, if we never are in that position, we're going to feel some, some symptoms. I mean, how depressing is it to feel one down to everyone. How depressing is that when you feel like you're not, you're just not good enough? I, you know, that's speaking to some of us right now because I, some of us, myself included, I have so struggled with this. It's that comparison trap. Yeah. When you compare yourself to everyone and everything and you feel one down. Mm. How many people yeah. have experienced depression as a result of that? They're just not quite there. I'm just not, I'm not as good as, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm better than that person, but I'm not as good as that person. That 
is a really depressing place to find ourselves. How much anxiety will that cause in social settings? How many relationship squabbles will we have to uh, have with every exchange when we're trying to prove ourselves to someone else and prove that I'm better than you or you're better than me? And then I don't make any mistakes. How many relationship squabbles will that create, whether it be in a family, in a work environment, in a church environment, in a school environment? How many problems will that create? It carries over into our families. I'm reading a book right now called, um, it's a, talking about Generation Z. Generation Z. And, and one of the hallmarks of Generation Z is as families, as parents, we have become comparing our children. Well, my kids are better than your kids. And it's become this competition. It's become this competition between families. How difficult can that make our daily experience? Sibling rivalries exist because we don't know what it's like to be equal siblings under God's authority. Yeah, so how do we grow up? How do we leave that child state and move into an adult state? Where we are equals. So the first thing we have to do is really realize I've got a brain and, and I've got my own experience as an adult, my own opinions, and that's okay. And they are valid. I can be equal. I don't have to be a yes person. When Cole and I sit down for our staff meeting, Cole gets to critique me. I open myself up to that. I'm okay with that. And I, I don't hold Cole down here. We are in equal standing as adults. He has valid experience and opinions. And you do as well. And I do as well. And we have to get to the point where we realize I can have and respectfully voice my opinion. And that's okay. And it is valid. We can recognize differences between me and you and you and your coworker, you and your supervisor, you as a supervisor and your employee. We recognize the differences in us and different strengths, and that's okay. That is good and as it should be. And that starts to change this whole system and our whole perspective. You see... In the United States, we don't let children get married. We don't let your, you don't let your babies get married. We don't let them. And we don't let children have careers where they're going to work 40 or 50 hours a week. These are for adults. Marriage is for adults. Careers are for adults. And so we must go through a rite of passage where we are no longer under our guardians, but we now have gone through the rite of passage and we are now equals. As Cole said, in the Roman culture, the father would decide when that time came and the father would now say, you are now an adult in the Roman culture. And that's what Paul was writing to when he wrote that. You are now an adult. 
And it's that transition into adulthood, that transition into authority over ourselves, that transition into I am now responsible for me. And if we've done that, we're in a good place. But listen, if we have not done that, and we are married, then we are children in an adult body who happens to also be married. What happens when children get married? It doesn't work very well, does it? We are children trying to navigate an adult experience that's meant for adults. If we are children in an adult's body and we're trying to navigate our work relationships with our coworkers and our bosses and even customers and employee, you know, other employees and customers, if we're trying to navigate that and we're a child in an adult's body, our working relationships are not going to work. Because we're seeing and viewing and experiencing everything as a child. And we process everything as a child. And it's never going to work. So first, what do we do? We have to begin to grow to the point where we are adults. And we are equals. Yeah. And, and nowhere is Dr. Clouds talking about being disobedient. You can't find that in any of his writings, none of his experiences. He's not talking about being disobedient. In fact, Dr. Cloud goes the other direction. He says that people who can't submit to authority are actually among the sickest people in the world because they wish they were God. They do not have the ability to submit to any authority role because they see themselves as that ultimate authority. So we're not talking about disobedience. Everyone needs some type of accountability in their life. Everyone does. We all do. We all thrive on accountability. Whether we realize it or not, we thrive on accountability. We all need to report to someone. Because we, starting with me, were not designed to be God. As we talked about last week, our design was something very different. Oversight is a part of life. The problem is, if I see oversight not... This is so important. The problem is, if I see oversight and accountability not as a role, but instead as a person. It's not a person. It's a role. The problem is, if I see oversight not as a role, but a person, it will create a dynamic where I feel like you have authority over me. You have, maybe the better word would be power over mm, me. Yeah, good word. And then, I'm emotionally suffering. That's when I begin to experience the physical and emotional manifestation of that inequality. I experience depression. I experience stress. I experience sleeplessness. I experience lashing out in anger. I experience anxiety. And so on, and so on, and so on. Yeah. You know, as an adult, I have to begin to recognize that 
I'm going to be inferior in some very specific talents and some very specific uh, abilities and even in some roles. We don't all we don't have to all have the same strengths and the same abilities and the same talents. Just because someone is is stronger in an area than I am does not mean that that person is better. Rather, it, it just means they're different. And we need different strengths in different places at different times from different people in this thing called the body. Being an adult means something that has taken, just speaking from my experience, has taken me over, apparently, 37 years. And it's this <laughs> statement right here. Y'all get it? Over, I'm not there yet. Well, I just, you know, I just, I found that a little humorous as it relates Sen to me. Sensible chuckle. Mm -hmm. Being comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Being comfortable in my own skin. Being comfortable with who I am, with the talents that I have, and the abilities that I've been given, and the level at which I can do it. I watch YouTube. A lot. Way too much. And I've gotten in this YouTube thing of watching drummers. I need to stop. Because it is just ridiculous what some of these cats can do. But being comfortable in my own skin and my own giftings and my own abilities, that is so much a part of what being an adult is. We can do that if we know we're not being judged. I've got what I've got. It's all I've got. But I can make the most of it. We can mess up if we know that we're a learner. We're getting better. We're improving. It's a process. It's a journey. We don't have to get it right every time. And we're not going to get put down when we don't get it right. When we fail. It's okay to fail. See, adults find gifts and they exercise those gifts. Adults find gifts that they have been given. And then they find out how can I exercise these gifts. Even if my gifting is nowhere close to yours. Even if my talent doesn't scratch the surface of his. How can I exercise the gifts that I've been given in the way that I can exercise them? Find instructors. And submit to that authority. Adults are able to kindly disagree with authority figures and it not become World War III in a very personal shouting match type of an experience that maybe all of us have experienced at some point. Adults are going to disagree with those roles of authority figures because as people, we are equal under God's authority. Adults are able to have their own opinions because they're not worried about having to win your or my or Harley's or anybody's approval. You know, as we can begin to do this and not give in to judgment and not become a child again, but instead we can choose to submit to that feedback. I can choose to submit to Cole's feedback. And we can get to a place where we are more comfortable in our own skin.
where we are comfortable doing what we are expert at. Cole and I have very different um, strength sets in general. They go beyond just what we're doing here. And they're different. And, and we can do what we are more expert at. You may not feel like an expert, but you can do what you're more expert at. And we will be functioning and feeling more like an adult as equals. And if we're not quite there as an expert yet, well, you know what? We can know that we are in that process of becoming one. Right now we're a student, but even as a student, we're still equals. We're in that process of becoming an expert. We are learning and, and growing in that area. Right, and then that's how we get to become grown-ups. That's how, and this is, I think, the overarching point, that's how the body of Christ is functioning and growing and thriving and doing what it was intended to do from the very beginning. The New Covenant describes this. Uh, it describes this process over and over and over and over and over. But in Romans 12, it, it does a great job. Paul does a great job in his letter to the Christ followers in Rome, and that we can read also. He does a great job of describing how the uses of our giftings and our talents can work inside of the body of Christ and how we can even grow inside of those talents. Now, my understanding is right now, uh, we, we don't have our media shout, so it's not going to be on the screen. I apologize that we haven't had these verses on the screen, but you can just listen. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. This is what Paul says to people just like us living 2,000 years ago in the capital of the world, Rome. And it applies to me and you just like it did to them. This is what Paul says. Just as our bodies have many parts... And each part, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. It works the same way. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher... Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. It's real simple. If we get this right as individuals, then we will get this right as the body of Christ, which in this room we call Stuttgart Harvest Church. So if we get this right as individuals and we get this right as a part of the body of Christ, we'll get more. We'll get more. Because the New Covenant also says if we're faithful in a little, we're going to get more. Yeah, more of that gifting. You know, almost all of our fear of failure is a fear of judgment. You know? It's a fear of someone's response to us. What will they think of me? What will their reaction be? And so we have this embarrassment. We don't want to make a fool of ourselves. We don't want to mess up. <laughs> Just Tuesday or the last week, I don't know when it was, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. I went running out of the 
out of the lobby. I wasn't going to tell anybody. I went running out of the lobby. We were trying to flag down a driver. Cole was coming out with a box. We were trying to get him to take it to the right place, which he refused to do, by the way, uh, in spite of all of the efforts we made. I came running out of the lobby as an expert runner. Oh, my goodness. You should have seen this guy go. It was... Poetry in motion. Presented without content. Presented. So I, I run out and am sprinting, literally, about 20 miles an hour. To <laughs> My toe catches that little cement thing right outside the front door. And I'm also, by the way, on the phone talking to someone about something very important. Close. And I, my toe catches that, and I do... A catastrophic. It was a catastrophic conversation, though. I mean, it was going. He happen. actually finished the conversation while lying on his back out front. He finished the entire conversation. Cars driving it. by, never wondering if they need to dial nine one one. I mean, they weren't sure what was going it on. Was, they just saw awful. a big fat guy laying on his back in the parking lot. So, fear of judgment, fear of this embarrassment. What are people going to think? That was a catastrophic failure. But listen, in our lives, we cannot, not talking about me learning how to run, in just living life and making decisions at work and at home and even just in life around our neighbors, we can't get better until we are willing to take risks and willing to fail. That's the only way to get better. Take risks and fail. But if I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me, I'm not going to advance from a child to an adult because I'm afraid of what you will say, what you will think, how you will eat. Act how you will feel about me. And we have to transfer, transition from a little person to an adult. From being here where I have a guardian and a manager that I'm trying to please. To here. Where we are managing our own lives. The guardian over our own lives. The authority over our own lives. And the only person we're trying to please when we're here is the person of God. So as we kind of summarize this series, and it's, it's been a long series. It has. It, it has five been. weeks. It's, it's been a long series. Five weeks. We've said a lot of stuff. <laughs> five long weeks. Five long weeks. We've said a lot of stuff over the course of the last five weeks. A lot of good information, probably a lot of information that maybe just went one ear, in, in one ear and out the other, and that's okay. But as we summarize... We've got a lot of work to do in this life. A lot. And we can't do it solo. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't be the lone ranger in everything that we attempt to do every single day. We have to find a way to get connected. And for the last 10 months, it's been difficult. But we have to find a way to get connected with other followers of Jesus, connected inside of this Ecclesia, this gathering, mm -hmm. this church body. We have to find a way to be connected. And that comes through being vulnerable. 
being in a need state. Being connected and being vulnerable with safe people in a safe body of Christ called the church. Called the ecclesia. We have to have self-control. We have to have control of ourselves. Um, we can't let people control us and we can't try to control other people. We were given self-control over one person and one person alone, and that's me. Harley controls Harley. I control me. You control you. And that's called good boundaries. That's, how, that's, that's having good boundaries. That's having, as you talked about in week three, that's staying in your own backyard. We can say no to someone who's hurting us, and we can say no to bad behavior, and it's okay. Boundaries allow us to do that. And when bad things happen, and guess what? Bad things will happen. We live in an imperfect world. We are imperfect people, and I myself are, am extremely imperfect. Bad stuff's going to happen. So it's not a question of if bad stuff's going to happen. It's a question of when bad things happen. We have to process it. We have to be able to... Allow it to go through and to be processed, just like what we talked about the human body does. We have to metabolize it. And that idea that you've got to be perfect, or I have to be perfect, or this world that we experience has to be perfect, we just got to give it up. Because it's not going to be so this side of eternity. It's just not going to happen. And everyone on this planet, everyone walking around today, we're all equal in the sight of God. We're all here. Now, we have different roles, but we're all equal in the sight of God. We're not children trying to please guardians. We're not children trying to please managers. We have to grow into being an adult whose sole purpose is pleasing God, the ultimate authority. And to do that, we're, we are living by grasping our talents, our ideas, our abilities, and we're using all of those things individually as part of this bigger thing, this bigger picture, this, this bigger experience called the church. And we're growing in them, we're developing them, and then lastly, and that's what hopefully we're getting close to, we're expressing them. Yeah, that's where we want to end. Um, as we make ourselves... Uh, part of this process, then we ourselves are getting better. And we ourselves have to get better before we can help anyone else get better. And we're asking you, would you help us do that? We want to create safe circles in our church. Safe circles inside of this body of Christ where we can be vulnerable with each other, and the body can be the body of Christ and begin to help us work through these emotional hurts in life. We want to be a church that heals. You know, we talked about in week number one how when, if, if, uh, the finger gets cut off from the body. You don't take the finger and put it in a drawer and stick a, a, a manual in there with it about how to survive and how to live and how to help yourself. This isn't self-help. 
And you don't put that finger in a drawer with a manual and shut the drawer and say, okay, you get better and then we'll see you later. No. We have to go get that finger and we reconnect it to the body. And when all the parts of the body are doing what all the parts of the body are supposed to do, then guess what happens when that surgeon has reconnected that finger blood begins to flow again amazingly I don't know how it works but it does and the body begins to heal itself now we're talking about this now on an emotional level we want to be that church and yes we understand that we have doctors speaking of emotional help yes we have doctors and yes there are, there are uh, medications that we need at times and that they're there for us. But just speaking of the overall emotional health, we must become a church that heals, that looks for those disconnected parts of our body and we bring them in and we connect with them. And we do what only the church body can do, and that is function as God has created us. And as we do, we begin to bring life through the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ. We begin to bring life into all the parts of the body. So here's what we're asking you to do. Will you listen to this entire series? One more time, and I'm asking this, will you help us to be that church, a church that heals? Join me as we pray. Father, just as our bodies are many parts and each one functions in a very special way that you've created, that's the way it works in the body of Christ. We are many parts, but we are one body. And we all belong as equals to one another. And God, it is your grace that has given us different gifts to do things and some things well. So God, if you've given us that ability, may we use that ability with as much faith as we can. Jesus, may we follow the instructions that Paul gave us. May we be happy with those who are happy. And may we weep with those who weep. May we live in harmony with each other. May we not be so proud that we cannot consider ourselves equal with our brothers and sisters. May we not feel like that we know it all and we don't need to improve, but may we be vulnerable. And may we come to you, Jesus, and to our church body and say, I'm struggling. I need help. And God, we offer these songs to you knowing that sometimes we hurt and we hurt bad. Sometimes we struggle and we struggle in deep ways. But Jesus, you are the hope of the world. And Jesus, for some reason, you sent and commissioned your local churches 
to be that hope and that connection. Jesus, may we be that. We offer this worship, Jesus, to you and you alone. And it's in the name, Jesus, your name that we pray. Amen.